You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's say hello to a great friend of the program, Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, let's start with the Falcons and the Eagles. We've talked so much about the Atlanta offense. How about your specialty defense? How much credit does the Falcons' D deserve not only for how well they contained the Rams last weekend, but how Atlanta played defensively over the last month of the regular season? Well, you know, Dan Quinn has done a great job here in Marquand Manuel with the Atlanta Falcons' defense, and it's built primarily on speed. And there's old Christian saying, uh, speed kills. And that's one thing they've been able to do, get downhill, get at the point of attack, and just take everything what you want to do away in the running game. We know going into that game last week, you know, Todd Gurley had been so impressive on the ground and so was Jared Goff in the passing game. But it just seemed like things were a little off. They never got, got an opportunity to establish any type of rhythm. And when we can say, well, yeah, the Falcons won the game, bet running through one, one touchdown, and talk about their defense. But for me, the Rams lost that game opposed to the Falcons winning because, you know, when you turn the ball over so many times on the special team, setting the Falcons up with excellent field position, to me that is the thing that helped the Falcons move forward. And that's why I'm not too high on the Falcons as they go to face the Philadelphia Eagles. And we can say what we're going to say about Nick Foles and the fact that he didn't play – the best game that he can play when they face the Oakland Raiders. But the one thing is for sure, they have a great defense. They have a running back in LeGarrette Blunt and Jay Ajayi that can definitely put stress and pressure on that Falcons defense. And that's one of the reasons why the Philadelphia Eagles went out and grabbed Jay Ajayi. And he's going to be counted on heavily to take the pressure off of Nick Foles. And Nick Foles had to do a great job finding receivers, taking what the defense gives them, and don't try to make any difficult throws. Yeah, Nikki, you're talking about Farrell Cooper, who gave up two of those turnovers on special teams. I gave him 10 points, which which gave them a little cushion and some momentum. But I think Philadelphia is going to be a little different, especially with their defense. I think their stout defense up front when it comes to pressure. We've seen Matt Ryan at times be on skates. He looks a little timid if he's not in rhythm. And I think that's what they're going to do. What is it going to take for this team to actually win this football game with Nick Foles as a starting quarterback, knowing that your defense can play that well? Well, the one thing Nick Foles hadn't done well, we saw him do it against the Giants. And after that against the Raiders, we didn't really see it. It was kind of the chemistry with the wide receivers. And up to this point, when Carson Wentz was in, we saw, you know, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey. We saw all these three wide receivers, talented wide receivers, involved in the offense. And uh, we really haven't seen that connection with Nick Foles. And, Here's a guy, Nick Foles, he's there every day in practice. But we have to remember, he doesn't get those first-team reps. All those first-team reps went to Carson Wentz. So he has, hopefully, in this time off, that he's developed some kind of chemistry with those wide receivers. And you can take your shots on this Falcons defense, but you you have to pick and choose those shots. But if he's unable to get those guys involved in the offense on a consistent basis, it's going to make his job much difficult for now. The Falcons don't have to worry about the passing attack. Now they can stack the box, eight, nine men in the box to stop McGarrett Blunt and Jay Ajayi. 
Talking playoffs with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, let's move to Jacksonville and Pittsburgh. Unlikely, I think it's fair to presume, Roethlisberger will have five interceptions like he did in the regular season when the Jags pushed around the Steelers. But how much confidence should Jacksonville have based on how well they played in Pittsburgh this season? Well, you know, that game happened earlier in the season. You can't really, you know, on either side, you know, rest on the lords of what, what took place. I don't perceive that Big Ben would have that, as many mistakes as he made in that, in that game, five uh, interceptions. But, you know, when you look at that matchup, and because the Jacksonville Jaguars have a, a great defense, possessions are going to be a premium. You cannot turn the ball over for either quarterback. You can't press. The one thing I, I saw in Blake Borders last week, and, and there was a lot of criticism I, I had mine too as well, he wasn't great in the passing game. But when he wasn't great in the passing game, he utilized his athletic ability to extend play. And that was something that the Buffalo Bills didn't account for. So he's going to have to be that two-way player. So I'm looking at Blake Borders to extend plays with his feet on the ground. Also, by him doing and opening up some passing lanes, because what we've seen so far this season, he's developed some chemistry with his wide receivers, and he's been able to throw the ball down the field. So for me, to open up that passing game, yeah, you're going to lean, lean on Leonard Fournette. But you know they're going to stack the box. Keep both, they're going to stack the box. So now Blake Borders have to be perfect, and he has to put the ball in his playmaker's hands, and he has to utilize his feet to extend, extend plays and extend drives. Well, there's a few things you said that made me nervous about Blake Borders. Extend plays, has to be perfect, and being able to get the ball down the football field. That hadn't happened all year. Let's just think about two games where we know for sure he struggled doing that across the board. It was the Steelers in the first game, throwing for only 95 yards, and it was in the last game against the Buffalo Bills for throwing only 87 yards. But the better stat, I think the best stat of all, with, with even the numbers being below 100 passing, was he did not turn the football over. If he comes out again and say he throws for 101 yards with no turnovers, does this team actually go on the road and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, well yeah, that, that, that's the biggest thing for, for Blake. And that's what, what I got out of the game against the Buffalo Bills. He, he didn't turn the ball over. And for me, I, I, I would say, well, his passing deficiencies in that game, I would think a lot of jitters had to do with that. You know, getting your first home game, first playoff, uh, and you playing against the Buffalo Bills team that kind of, you know, back backdoored into a moonwalk, as you said last week, into the playoffs. So to me, this would be a different. Oh, I'm expecting a different Blake Borders in his game against uh, Pittsburgh. And by him use of utilizing his mobility, that is something that those edge rushers for the Pittsburgh Steelers will have to contend with. Because now, instead of you know running to like I said, extend plays, but now you start pressing the perimeter of that defense, have drawn those linebackers up, finding creating those windows in the back end that throw it to your wide receivers and Cordell. You know, there's a game when they played against the Seattle Seahawks, and we could say, well, you know, uh, Cam Chancellor didn't play and Richard Sherman didn't play, but Blake Borders did a great job throwing the ball down the field. When we have that type of success against Pittsburgh, I think it is possible because if we look at the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers, if we want to say what part of that defense is suspect, and we've seen early in the season when they played the Green Bay Packers, it is their pass defense. So, he can have success, but he has to pick and choose where he's going to go with the ball and when he's going to gamble and take risks. Nick, this could be our last Jaguar conversation for quite some time if they lose to the Steelers over the weekend. We're not going to go all the way back to that game when we chat with you next Friday. So even though Blake Bortles had the option picked up by the club for next season, 
don't they have to bring in another quarterback in the offseason? You can't have Blake Bortles as the only legitimate option, in my view, next year. Well, considering that has been the, the biggest question mark, and, you know, Cordell said it himself, and when we just talked about the game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so you have to, if you time conflict, knowing as though that is your Achilles heel, you have to bring in someone else uh, to compete. Chad Henning has been on the bench all season long. Uh, if Blake struggles, maybe they go to Chad Henning, but in 2018, regardless of what they did with his contract, you have to bring someone in to force Blake Borders to become better in his fundamentals as a quarterback. That's a must. How do you, how do you do that, Nick? Because Brian and I has had to have this had this conversation. I mean, it, it goes across the board with what you can do because he's what getting nineteen million bucks because they're picking up that franchise tag. Do you invest all that money in that position by bringing in, let's say, a Alex Smith or a Kirk Cousins, or say you just go into the draft and grab one of those young kids, knowing that you don't need to spend that much money on that position because they're doing it spite of Blake Bortles? Well, Cordell, you know, of the two guys you just mentioned. I mean, Kirk Cousins, we know he's going to cost $30 million. So I, I, that, that would be too, too rich, especially with the defense that you have in Jacksonville. So for me, a guy who's an ideal fit, he's an ideal fit for a lot of teams because there's a lot of things that he can do, you know, uh, from uh, the pocket, and that's Alex Smith. Uh, you bring in a guy like Alex Smith, that definitely changes the complexity of how we view the Jacksonville Jaguars, and maybe even for you too as well, and that just may be Brian Weber, but just the fact that, you know, his skill set of what he has as a, as a quarterback. I know we always call him a game manager, but if you take Alex Smith's talent and you put it with that receiving core and that defense, we're talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars being back in the same position in 2018. It's, it's hard for me to believe if you don't have a guy like Alex Smith back there, they, that they're going to be back in this position. Nick, bright minds think alike. I told Cordell the other day, if Alex Smith winds up in Jacksonville, the Jaguars could go to the Super Bowl. All they need is a serviceable quarterback taking you around the postseason with our good friend Nick Ferguson, former NFL safety. Let's shift our attention to what's coming up this weekend in Minnesota by starting with your observations of what Carolina did defensively. Even though they lost to New Orleans, they held Kamara and Ingram in check, 45 combined rushing yards. What do you think the defensive philosophy for Mike Zimmer is going to be this weekend? Is he going to target taking away the run game once more, hoping that Drew Brees is not as effective as he was in the win against Carolina? Well, that's exactly what's going to be the game plan. Look at how these two tandem running backs have run rough shot over the NFL and look at the game last week. I'm sure they broke down that tape a lot and saw how uh, the linebackers and the front seven team, like the Carolina Panthers, shut down Alvin Kamara and Ingram. And here's the thing that's, that's odd because coming into this season, you know, everyone talking about Sean Payton and Drew Brees, those two running backs pretty much changed the narrative in New Orleans, but it was the play from the quarterback position by Drew Brees that really gave this team a, a chance. So if you take down running one game away from the New Orleans Saints, Drew Brees still has the capabilities of beating you over the top. He showed that even with Ted Ginn, who was probably one of the most, I guess, unshorthanded wide receivers in the league, his, his hands are always in question. But he came up big. And if Drew, Drew Brees can threaten the Minnesota Vikings down the scene with the guy, you know, like Ted Ginn Jr., now we're talking about a different game because these two teams are both different. But I'm still leaning, leaning heavily on the New Orleans Saints. I believe that they have what it takes on both sides of the ball, especially watching Cameron Jordan really get after the, the Panthers' offensive line last week. 
he is going to be a different maker and a difference maker uh, in this game uh, this weekend. How does the Titans beat the New England Patriots? Well, we saw earlier this season, you know, Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers went up to Foxborough and they had success. And that's when we saw, you know, uh, Mike Shuler, who's now unemployed, but he had an excellent game plan utilizing those design quarterback runs, and it really tested the perimeter of that New England defense. So you have a very talented quarterback, you know, as far as mobility and athletic ability, but the passing part of Marcus Mariota's game is kind of uh, taking a blow. But to me, if, if Mike Malarkey really wanted to give his team an opportunity to win in Foxborough and pull up the biggest upset in these early playoffs, then it's going to be Marcus Mariota trying to duplicate what he was able to do against Kansas City and Bob Sutton's defense. Nick, great information as always. As the resident Jedi on this program, I want to share with you this story. Now that the regular season is behind us and we have more free time because we're not enjoying seven hours together on First and Goal, I'm catching up on movies I missed throughout the fall. So yesterday, I was checking out Star Wars. I fell asleep. Is that an indictment of the picture or just the latest reminder, I am damn old? No, you know what? It is an indictment of the movie as a long Star Wars fan. Uh, you know, my kids were really excited. Uh, I, I wasn't. Uh, there were certain scenes that I was really excited about. But overall, unless the movie, you know, filling a void, that a void had been taken away, like my childhood wow. was just stolen from me. That, 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 that's how much. Nick, you're, you're getting deep there. I'm just telling the story about me falling asleep in the picture, and, and now suddenly <laughs> yeah. your He's adolescence was robbed by Go George ahead. Lucas. That is really profound on a Friday. That's a hot take right there on Friday, baby. Remember, it's not, it's not George Lucas that make this movie. I know, right? but he's still floating around. Come on. I know it's J.J. Yeah, yeah, Abrams but, and the crew. Yeah, I need J.J. Abrams back on, uh, on the scene. Okay. Make a better movie. Make, make, make Force of Weekends. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't wake me up. I was snoring until the guy next to me pushed me and said, hey, bro, you're ruining the movie. Nick, enjoy the games. We'll chat with you next week. All right, chat with you guys next week. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.